Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Welcome into Attacking Third on this wonderful Friday. We have Darian Jenkins, Sandra Herrera, Lisa Carlin, and I'm Jenny Chu here bringing you the best on Friday. The breaking news that's coming out today is Samantha Mewis announces her retirement from professional football. I think we all had the same reaction to this news is that we've seen it coming for a while. Unfortunately, Sandra, will you tell us why? Yeah, just Sam Mewis uh, finally making things official. She's been pretty about as open and as transparent, I think, as she has felt comfortable being over the last, I think, what it's now two years publicly. I think she's been a soccer professional soccer player who has had to deal and navigate with some injuries, specifically within her knee. And over the last course of these last two couple of seasons, I think, got a little bit more honest and open about how difficult it's been to navigate that injury, not just on the pitch, but literally off of it. Uh, the difficulties in going through uh, multiple surgeries, comfortability and movement in general. And with this recent news before her retirement, this kind of mutual parting of ways with Kansas City Current, I think there was perhaps a little bit of a signaling there for, for the general public to sort of say, hmm, what does this all essentially mean? And I think there were maybe a lot, you know, a lot of folks rightfully kind of speculating that if we could potentially see a, a retirement announcement from Sam Mewis. I think a lot of folks as well, kind of who are into all sorts of media consumption of the U.S. women's national team, perhaps maybe watching that Netflix documentary um, under pressure. There was a lot that was actually discussed about that as well through the storyline of Christy Mewis, her sister, discussions about whether or not she would return. The doctors have said 
to Samantha Mewis that they do not think she would be able to play professionally. So a lot of folks just kind of connecting dots and maybe just sort of waiting for this kind of announcement. But I think even within all of that, it doesn't make today any less bittersweet. Sam Mewis going down really as one of the absolute greats in women's soccer history, both internationally and at the club level. I think you take a look at her resume. It's going to be difficult for anyone to try to match that World Cup at the senior and youth levels, multiple NWSL titles in this league during her time. Uh, and, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a tough day. I think when you take a look at all of it, what the, all of the, the lens of what did it all mean and, and how did we get here? And, you know, a big part of that that success, when we talk about the success of the league, the success of the women's national team, it's because of a player like Sam Mewis. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, as Sandra mentioned, a little bit um, not surprising for a lot of fans, but still just as sad. And even in, in Sam Mewis's social media post, she says, it's with sadness and clarity. I'm retiring from press professional soccer. And I think the fact that she couples the, the term sadness and clarity says a lot about what she's been going through, how hard this recovery from her knee has been and how she has been trying to get back onto the pitch. But the clarity aspect of it, meaning that she knows this is the next step. And she's had a podcast with her former teammate and friend, Lynn Williams. And so she's been kind of dipping her toe into the media side of things. And she's not going far from the game as well. She also announced that she's going to be staying in the game on the media side of things, doing shows and and talking about the game, which I, I imagine that has to help her some to some extent, right? That could be a two-sided coin of stepping away from the game entirely to kind of uh, give yourself some time to recover and and take a look at your career, but also staying involved in it and making sure that she's got her finger on the pulse. And that's got to help her to some extent to still be able to talk about it because it's been her world. I mean, I, I know that just from playing collegiate soccer, it is your entire world. So then to cut something off completely is really difficult. So I know this is a hard decision, not easy. And of course, wishing her the best and still recovery on her knee, right? Like you, you want her to be able to live everyday life, um, even if it's not playing soccer at the highest level in the world, to be able to live life without pain and, and do the active things that she wants to be able to do. So wishing her recovery and, and you know, peace of mind in these decisions, which it does sound like just from social media that she has that, which is good. Yeah, Lisa, I think you and Sandra said it so well. To go from, you know, I, I played with Sam in college and then my first two years in the league at The Courage. And she's a player that I just obsessed with because that girl has won literally everything, everything possible. And she was always so humble and so kind and never, ever let it go anywhere else other than that. She just loves the game and wants to play. And so you're right. We've seen this coming for a long time. Um, we know she's been out and working through her knee injury and it's, it sucks when you're kind of forced out of the sport, like your body just can't keep up with what you're doing anymore. So I know that that's a really difficult decision to come to, especially after such a decorated career, but she has left such a big imprint on women's soccer and changed the narrative around it and just been such a force to be reckoned with. And I'm super happy for her. Congratulations, Sammy. Happy that she's going to be staying close to the game. And hopefully that kind of, I don't know, it's helped me yeah. still have, you know, embrace my love for the game and miss it a lot, but not so far enough away that it's totally not a part of your life. So I understand. And yeah, 
love her commentary. So happy that she's going to be in the media world too. Loving that we're seeing former players coming into this yeah, position yeah, more. Like job for us, right. We're like, I think you're absolutely spot on in that. Like also have to give congr- the congratulations to that too. Yeah. Cause it's tough to get to that decision, but there's going to be so much cool stuff ahead. So mm-hmm. yeah. I couldn't agree more, guys. I feel like her impact in the game is going to continue and maybe have a little bit, I don't know, just kind of shine more of a light on everything that she's done on the playing field, but just bringing a light as a player to what she does. She's such an incredible um, person with the Snacks podcast. She had done so well. So to see her continue in that in our realm is awesome. So speaking of people that leave impacts, uh, let's go ahead and shift focus to Aitana Bonmati winning FIFA Best Player Award. This was a no-brainer for me. The fact that she, with Spain, won the FIFA Women's World Cup. She also won the European Trouble with Barcelona in Spain. I mean, she has so many notable awards that we could we could run through, but we've already talked about her so much on this show. But I just find her to be such a rare player in the women's game. The, the vision, the composure that she has is just second to none. She is so calm in the box. I, you know, when you think about like the elite players and how the game slows down for them, I feel like without a doubt, the game slows down for her because it is so beautiful. And a player like that has been, I don't know, talked about by Pep Guardiola and Xavi and all of these top coaches and top players. It's just beautiful to see. I think one of the coolest things, though, are the fact that we got to see how this was all voted for. So everybody that voted, you can see exactly who they voted for. What do you guys think about her obviously winning and the fact that we've kind of can track who every player, every captain, every coach um, has voted for? It's Bonmati's world, right? It's her era and <laughs> we're all just living in it. And I'm just grateful that we get to have a sideline couch armchairs view of it all. So I, I probably the least shocking award, I think, of that of that day, you know, for sure. But I'm grateful that when they do do these awards that, you know, if you're if you're voting, you're putting your your name to it. So it's always fun to see the perspective of, of players and the captains and how they want to vote for things and, and coaches as, as well. And even some of the media who get the the honor to, to go ahead and participate in those awards. But I, I think maybe this was a player that was probably made everybody's voting job a little bit easier. <laughs> so after Aitana Bonmaiti, there's Linda Caicedo and then Jennifer Hermoso after that in the voting section. We can go ahead and move on to the FIFA Best 11 because that is potentially controversial in some ways. So we have the goalkeeper, Mary Earps, for England being the best goalkeeper. In the defender section, Lucy Bronze, Olga Carmona, and Alex Greenwood. Um, a couple of those from England and then Olga from Spain. In the midfielder sector, Aitana Bonmati, Ella Toon, Kira Walsh. And then in the forwards, Lauren James, Sam Kerr, Alex Morgan, and Alessia Russo. Lisa, anything there that you disagree with or want to just <laughs> agree with in sense of, you know, maybe absolutely the player deserves to be on the best 11, whichever way you want to take it. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of question marks about why Alex Morgan is on this list um, with San Diego and, and the United States, especially because when you consider it, whatever, if you want to pick a U.S. player, if you want to have them on the list, she didn't even win U.S. player of the year. That was Naomi Gurma, defender. United States had a tough year offensively in the attack. And so I think that's a a lot of what people are talking about right now. Why is Alex Morgan on this list, especially when you consider um, the company that she is with? Mm -hmm. Uh, You you ran through the list, Jenny, in the roster, but like defensively, Alex Greenwood, Olga Carmona, like hands down, they deserve to be on this list. Carmona, 
is the reason Spain, one of the main reasons Spain was able to score goals and win the World Cup. Of course, Bonmati in, in the midfield as well. Um, but it, then when you look at the forward line, Lauren James, Sam Kerr, Alessia Russo, and then Alex Morgan. Lauren James had a breakout year as a young player, despite um, some of the adversity that she had gone through as a player getting a suspension in the World Cup. But she still did an incredible job. Sam Kerr with Australia and the World Cup. I, I think so much of it, you have to look at the world game and the biggest international tournament that we had this year at the World Cup. So that's why Alex Morgan sticks out like a sore thumb, because the other 10 players are so deservedly on this list. And there's just a question mark about why Alex Morgan is on this list when the United States didn't have the best year offensively. And even with San Diego Weave, I, I don't think she had her best year in the league by any means. Yeah. yeah. Retweet. I think if we were going to bring a U.S. player onto that list, it's Naomi Gurma or Sophia Smith. Yep. Honorable mention Trinity. Yeah, it should, like, Germa. it should have been Gurma. Yeah, it should have been Gurma a thousand percent. I, Lisa, I totally agree. I think it's a little bit of Alex Morgan is a very famous. She's a prolific player. It's a name yeah. that, and even for players, yeah. I think if you look at some of the voting, like I think it's it's important, like the the note that Jenny made that you could see kind of how the votes break down. Like maybe there's also a larger conversation to be had about players and their own ability to consume the game at times. You know, we talk a lot about yeah. the difficulties and in, in access to games and in watching games and players already have a very busy schedule and literally being professional athletes, you know, and then you have to throw in these uh, additional hurdles for them to watch games themselves, you know? Yeah. So uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those things that you go round and round about. It's like, you can, you, I'm sure there's people out there that, that will make a case for Alex Morgan, you know, and maybe they'll talk to, talk to us about it after they listen to the episode or, you know, and, and we'll be like, Oh, those are, those are great points. Yeah, sure. You right. know, like it, right. it, it, it happens. All right. Well, that was our take uh, on that. You know, the majority of those players being from England and Spain, deservingly so, making it so far in the World Cup and them being, you know, top leagues in the world. Continuing with all of these FIFA awards, Marta gets an award named after her in 2025. It'll begin or FIFA will introduce a new award to honor her legendary achievements. The best goal scored in women's football will receive the Marta Award. She has played in six World Cups and scored 17 goals in 23 matches. She is the highest goal score in World Cup history, men or women. If you are a lover of the game that we beautifully describe, um, you know Marta. So uh, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you know everything she's done. She has scored 115 goals for Brazil, 17 World Cup goals. I mean... She's incredible. We know that. Um, but to see her kind of be awarded in this way from now on, the player that does so well in, you know, in a scoring capacity gets named after her. How beautiful for her to get that recognition. Darian, I know you played with her um, a little bit in Orlando. Anything to say about the legacy she leaves behind and obviously getting some credit for that? No, I mean, there's not much more I can say. It's beyond deserved. She's the OG, the GOAT, the legend. I love it. If you cried listening to her speech, raise your hand. Yeah, always. <laughs> now, anytime she does media about, you know, kind of passing the torch and her love for the game and just that she wants little girls to remain inspired and that that's how she, she wants to leave the game. She has truly, truly done it. She has been, mm -hmm. even before she knew it, what we all have looked up to and aspired to be in women's soccer and what we've wanted to achieve. She has done that. And now she has an award that's going to be so long lasting. You know, generations are going to pass and her name is still going to be present every year. Some player is going to get this award. So I love it. It's a huge honor. 
I think when you look at the legacy that Marta has left from little girls saying, I want to play to be like her, right? I want to wear her jersey. I want to have her name on me. I want to watch her play. There's so many elements of it. Now players get to say, I want her award. Like Mm -hmm. how cool is that? That now players can aspire to win the Marta award. It's awesome for the GOAT, Marta, for sure. I think this was really cool of FIFA to do and a really great way to honor Marta's legacy. Yeah, I think I love the way that they're doing it now. You know, we, we talk a lot about honoring legends and how important it is to make sure that they get their flowers while they're able to receive them, you know, and I, I love that they were able to kind of bestow this honor her and kind of have an additional moment like there she was again taking it all in and inspiring and motivating so many of us once again on a stage to that's trying to honor her but she's Mm -hmm. making it about a bigger picture of things when it comes to women's soccer and I think for me that's such an integral and important piece of Marta's legacy you know she's very clearly in a specific phase of her career where she's kind of having those conversations with herself you know she's at the point where she's like okay, let's look at the year in front of me. How do I want to navigate it? You know, joking about that, teasing about that a little bit on the stage. Like, okay, I said goodbye to the World Cup. Maybe I need to say goodbye to the Olympics, you know? So all those little things that kind of make us laugh or smile a little bit in between a a very kind of, profound speech you know it's just very quintessential Marta and uh, you know I think back to the World Cup when we were even talking about her as a player and kind of these this sort of long goodbye that she's in the middle of at this moment and and taking these these opportunities to go ahead and kind of praise her and talk about her and she's just that kind of player it's great for her to get this honor receive this honor see it and know that we're going to hear it for years to come because that's the player who she is I don't know Again, I said this during the World Cup, I don't know if we're ever going to have a player that has had the sort of global impact that Marta has had on the women's game. And I think that is the biggest thing for me. This is a player that has affected, you know, so many parts of of not just the CONCACAF region, but in Europe as well. And, you know, I'm out here wearing a Mexico jersey to represent CONCACAF. But I mean, you know, this is a player that has, you know, inspired so many Latin American women and, and girls and the Caribbean as well throughout the region. I mean, we saw it in that World Cup and that coming together between her and Bunny Shaw, like that's the impact mm-hmm. that, this, that this player has. So, I love that this award is is being named in her honor and I'm very curious to see who gets it next year. (laughs) Beautifully said. I know we honor her a ton, but can we just mention the dress she was wearing, by the way? Stunner. Top notch. Top notch. Stunner. We love to talk about fashion as well. And and what a, what a beautiful dress for the occasion. Okay, guys. So we have some more breaking news from today. USSF has just announced that she believes cup presented by visa will feature USA, Brazil, Canada, and Japan. We had heard some rumors coming out on the AJC about the teams that are involved in the tournament, but this is now confirmed. This tournament starts April 6th at the future U.S. Soccer Training Center in Atlanta. It's going to be split with Columbus, Ohio, doubleheaders in Atlanta and Columbus, Ohio. What do we feel about this breaking news about the teams involved? And, and I mean, we've seen these teams in the She Believes Cup before, yeah. Lisa. Yeah, exactly. For Canada, I think this is really big for them. This is their third She Believes Cup in four years. And as a nation that looks to prepare to go back to the Olympics in uh, in Paris this summer as reigning gold medalists um, after having a really tough World Cup last summer, this is an opportunity for Canada to take on some really good competition in the She Believes Cup and prepare for the Olympics. This is a natural next step for them. Um, I, I think that Japan being involved in this does elevate the competition this year because of how good Japan is, how, how well they can compete on the pitch. Um, it's going to be a test for United States and then Canada when you look at kind of 
how this is all going to to face out against each other. And I like this. So add in Brazil there. I mean, it's good competition, Jenny. Like we're getting really, really good matches. Not as many as we've seen in the past for She Believes Cup. They they are narrowing down the number of matches actually played in She Believes Cup. But I like this competition. Um, I'm excited to watch and see. This is a big year for international play. And this is a good test, a taste of it before the summer starts. Huge test. I'm going to take what you said because I'm excited to see what the U.S. does. We're, you know, questioning a lot what's going to happen going into the Olympics. And I think we're going to see this roster and how they're going to change their style of play with Twyla Kilgore and Emma Hayes coming in. Really, we're going to get a real taste of what to expect come the Olympics. So I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a really good test. I agree with everything that's been said. I think it's a good shout and a note to talk about how it's a restructured a little bit in light of the gold cup happening in that typical window where she believe occurs. They said, we're going to reformat it a little bit for this year and have it in April and have it just be kind of a second round. So I also really love that the United States and U S soccer said, if we're only going to play against two out of the three teams in this one, one of those teams is going to be Japan. So I like, I like some of the planning uh, around that already. And um, yeah, we'll see how it comes to, to life in April coming off of that window for, for gold cup. I know USA and Brazil, are probably considered favorites to do well in that competition. You know, will that will the two of those teams get to see each other and battle it out for a gold cup? We'll, we'll see. And will they get to battle it out for a, a She Believes Cup title? So uh, I love the teams. I know some folks are like, why are we getting repetitious here? But these are three good teams <laughs> to go up against, uh, especially going into an Olympics. So uh, I'm excited for it. Yeah, great competition heading into that Olympics. And um, you mentioned there the Emma Hayes coming in in May um, is the plan. So this in April would still be Twilight Kilgore leading the way officially. Awesome stuff. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. And we're going to be talking NWSL transfers when we return. So talking about all the movements that's happening. Stay with us. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
Welcome back into Attacking Third. Like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about all the transfers and the movements that have been happening in this window. I'm going to run through them quickly and then we can pick out which ones we want to point out as significant or interesting to us. First of all, Malpew with the largest NWSL deal ever. Sandra, I know you wrote about this. I have two million question mark because it's not <laughs> out there, out there, but I know you'll give us the breakdown um, when it comes. Casey Fair, 16-year-old signing to Angel City. Uh, Nichelle Prince is going to Kansas City, while CeCe Kaiser is going to Houston Dash. That is like a direct change. We have plenty to talk about on that one. Alexa Barr is headed to Louisville. Natalia Quica and Shea Groom are headed to Chicago, where Sandra loves to talk about. She uh, Quica is joining from the Portland Thorns. Felicitas Rauch is headed to North Carolina Courage. I think this is something that uh, Sean Nahas was talking about ahead of the move, saying we are very excited for and that his his fan club is going to be very excited for. Danny Weatherholt also headed to North Carolina Courage. Nikki Stanton and Ciara King, they signed new deals with the Seattle Reign, a team that has lost a lot of players uh, through free agency in the college draft and all of the... All of those movements. Megan Klingenberg also signed a one-year deal with Portland Thorns. She extends there. So as I've tried to run through all of those correctly, Sandra, do you want to take us through the big one there for Chicago and put that together? Yeah, we can. By big one, you mean like week. Yes, they're having a massive <laughs> week. Uh, <laughs> it's wild to think about and, and hear you run down all of these bits of NWSL like transaction news and finally have a week where Chicago's listed not once, not twice, but three different times for different player acquisitions and, and, and signings. Obviously, the biggest one with Mallory Swanson. I, I think we can all agree that that was probably their main target in the offseason and their long list. Of, of free agents and they really made sure that they came to the table correct because uh, Malpew has now the lar- the lo- biggest and largest contract in NWSL history at this moment but it's wild to talk about that because it almost feels like we were just speaking about Maria Sanchez and her three-year deal worth 1.5 million and now we're looking ahead at this five-year deal also kind of a new thing in terms of the longevity of that deal not really existing before. So a couple of, of, of points here for, for Mal Swanson to kind of make a bit of history in the NWSL. So length of deal through 2028 and also numbers in terms of the, the 2 million markets understood that it could be around 400 when if you do the math over the course of the years that could put her at that mark and i think when we're talking about numbers it's exciting for folks because it's not something that you often see or get to chat too often about within women's professional sports period let alone the nwsl so uh, i think you can literally kind of at this point point off on on one hand these sort of big numbers that you can tag to and I think folks thinks a lot about Trinity Rodman in that initial deal at the 1.1 million and then Maria Sanchez and now we're talking about Mel Pugh this is like literally three players that you can kind of count <laughs> off on, on your hand but it's massive for not just the player but for the franchise as well you know they've they've had three consecutive off seasons of massive player departure and um, now in this rebuild that we're hearing them talk a lot about that it's going to start with actual culture building um, to have a face of the franchise is very important. And they've got that in Mal Swanson. And then they went ahead and picked up massive pieces in Shea Groom and Natalia Cuica. We're talking about players with a ton of NWSL experience that have kind of excelled in their roles on the pitch and have been crucial parts of rosters. We know what Shea Groom 
did for the Dash in a very difficult era for them during peak COVID 2020 inaugural Challenge Cup. And Natalia Kuka, who's, in my opinion, kind of a really underrated defender in this league. So to pick up all of these pieces and re-sign Swanson to such a massive contract all in one week, I think it's got the attention of a lot of neutrals and uh, saying, hold on a second, don't count Chicago out just yet. I think that's important, Sandra, because Chicago heading into this offseason, so much conversation was they have to sign people. They have Mm -hmm. to pick up players. Their roster was just dwindling um, as the days went on. And we have to give some flowers to Sandra because she's on the boots in Chicago. She's got boots on the ground in Chicago. And she crunched the numbers and, and did the reporting to report how much Mallory Swanson was actually getting at that around $2 million mark. So Sandra, great job on that, um, the reporting that needs to be done. So thank you. I really, I, I talked about it at the top of the show, but I'm impressed with Angel City and their signings. They signed the young player at 16 years old in Casey Fair. That's why I'm rocking my Angel City today. And I think it's a really interesting signing. The league in the NWSL changed their rules to allow younger players, more younger players to be rostered for teams. And Angel City is taking full advantage of that. And frankly, if I was a young 18-year-old or if I was a parent of a young under 18-year-old, I would want my player to go to Angel City because they've already proven that they've had success with that, with Alyssa Thompson coming in and then signing Giselle Thompson, her her sister, in a forward and a defender, and now they get in Casey Fair. So they have the resources and the facility to accommodate under 18 players because, frankly, the way that a U18 player needs to prepare, train, study the game, recover from a game is incredibly different than uh, on the other end of the spectrum, a 35-year-old on a roster. And Angel City has proven that they're able to do that. So bolstering up their roster with Casey Fair, the um, South Korean international who was the youngest player to play in the FIFA Women's World Cup, uh, just three appearances, but a a huge mark from her. The the native out of New Jersey is, is going to LA, and I like that signing for Angel City. I like that a lot too, Lisa. I think what Angel City's doing is they're really showing that they're willing to develop players. They're not just going to pick players up in their prime and throw them into the roster. No, they're going to work with players. They're going to build them up. They're going to make them pros and take their time and not burn them out. I think we see a lot of players that happens to that are, you know, big names coming into the league and that's a lot of pressure and a huge adjustment. So I love that this is happening for me. Nichelle Prince to to Casey and CeCe Kaiser to Houston. I think from the outside, I'm, you know what, CeCe had a really good career at Houston. I think she's an amazing player. I'm shocked that Kansas City would get rid of her after the time that she's had there. I think she's been one of the best players on in the attack for them. Uh, she can play multiple positions. Getting Nichelle Prince is a really good move for them. I think any team is lucky to have her. She, you know, is now back from injury and is full steam ahead, doing what she's doing, scoring goals, being a threat in the attack. My biggest qualm is that they're getting rid of a homegrown player and that CeCe Kaiser didn't have any say in the trade. Yeah, I think yep. I think it is such a slap in the face to the players. You're doing such a disservice. You are also, If you're Kansas City, you're also shouting to the world, who everybody has eyes on the NWSL now, specifically Kansas City, because you're designing, you have the first women's specific soccer stadium. We don't care where you want to go. We're not going to discuss it with you. You can be traded at any point in time. That is so unattractive for players to want to go to your team. I don't know what's going on at the front office GM. It's not the first time we've heard something like this happening where a player is notified and finding out with the public that they're going somewhere else and have X amount of time to move. If players were making millions of dollars, you know, if there was 
a huge bump in pay or something as to why you're being traded to another team. Sure. It's a little bit different. It's the NWSL. We're still not making millions unless you're, you know, one of the top tier players, but even then it, it still doesn't make sense. I, I really don't like it. I think the, if the league needs to, we really want this to be the best league in the world and have the best teams and most attractive stadiums, blase, blah, treat your players. Well, she's, well, she's a great player. You know, you talk about this being very public that, you know, they she was taken, CC Kaiser was taken by shock by this. And she came out with a statement on Instagram saying that, you know, this isn't something she asked for or expected. No conversation that this could happen. My fiance and I have a home here. We have a life off the pitch. And now we have to pack it all up and say our goodbyes. She comes out and says this, right? Last year, Lynn Williams trading to Gotham FC was also, you know, during the NWSL draft came as a shock to Lynn Williams. We, you know, they talked about it on Snacks, the podcast. Yeah, the first time. we talked about earlier. Uh, Alex Fluera. No, this was happening. I wanted to stay here. Yeah. 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 I think There's that what you're time. saying there, Darian, is so important to the fact that other people yeah. on the outside can see it, that there is no, you know, accountability for how the players will feel in the situation and the backlash that is received to be CC Kaiser is this is professional sports deal with it. You then bring up a very important aspect of the amount of money being made compared to say the baseball players that are being transferred every year in professional sports. Right. And, and that how that maybe changes the, um, I don't know how, how you feel about decisions like that. It's still the NWSL, like you mentioned there. Um, Yeah. It's a week before you have to report to market. Some teams start training in three days. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that would, that would actually, we can even take that. We can even take the money out of it altogether. I think you have a player that's making a million dollars a year. That still sucks to be told that. Yeah. To be caught off guard by that. I I don't care if you're making a million dollars a year or, you know, what is it? 37 and a half thousand dollars, you know, a a year. Like it's, it's incredibly disruptive. It's, you know, there's a reason why they say that peace of mind is priceless <laughs> because you mm-hmm. can't put dollar signs on, on something like that. So it is at the very least adds to a layer of concerns around um, how players are kind of being maneuvered within the league, specifically in regards to Kansas city current. So Fans are starting to be a, a lot more vocal about it. I mean, they were vocal about it even uh, during that Lynn Williams trade. I think now yep. they've got an off season here where this has happened a couple of times already. So now they're being even more vocal about it as well. And I, I think it's very peculiar to just sort of operate in a way where you're like, well, if it's if we're not actually breaking any rules in the CBA, like it's fine. No, I think there's enough here to say that maybe it's not okay yeah. to operate. So I think maybe there's needs to be some some looking within internally, you know, in terms of, of how things are up, uh, being uh, operated and, and played out. It's great to point to all these amazing things that the franchise is doing in, in one aspect and then yet have something else on the other side of that spectrum and say, well, what, a, what about this, you know, so all these things can be true at the same time, right? Kansas City is filtering in resources and building facilities and doing all these great things. And then the other thing that's also true is that players are shocked, hurt, disappointed when they are being told on with very limited time that their entire lives are going to change in a minute. So it's like all these things can be true. And we're talking about them all on, on, on this segment um, right now. So I think that's tough. I, I think you really do have to look at yourself as a, as a franchise, as an organization. If it looks like you're getting a rep, 
don't you want to try to maybe address that, you know, channel that. And I think if anything, that's also just giving, laying down the groundwork, in my opinion, to have a, another battle for the next CBA uh, negotiations. I mean, these are all things that the players union can can jot down and note down and circle back around during the next negotiations. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a player. I'm not a former player. But even just someone who analyzes this league and the game, absolutely. I think this mm -hmm. is something that you need to take a look at moving forward. No, Sandra, I totally agree. I you're right. It's laying the groundwork for another addition to the CBA of you guys think you have too much power and you're totally disrupting lives. But also from a player's perspective, imagine preparing for your job for months in the off season, three days before or a week before you're supposed to report. And you know, you okay, I'm doing this fitness test. I'm doing this technical test. I'm going to be playing this position. I know the system. I've got my mind right of how I'm going to play at this stadium. I've been doing all of this visualization work and prepping. And I have my community here, my PT my whatever you need, my psychologist is here, yep. is suddenly yep. disrupted. And then you're thrown into a new market where you you have no idea if you fit in, if the coach likes you, if you're going to gel with the locker room, if what position you're going to play, oh, what, what fitness testing am I doing? There's so much that goes into it that can affect your first few months going into a team where you've had no prep to do it. So yeah, just going to call Kansas City out. I think they're sending a really awful message out to their players and players that maybe had wanted to go there that I wouldn't want to go there anymore. If I'm seeing them do this over and over again to players, well-respected players in the league. Well, I mean, that doesn't even matter. Yeah. At but the players very are going to get a lot of attention and like call you out and you still don't care and you're still going to do it. It yeah. says a lot. Yeah. Ooh. At the very least it's conflicting. It's a conflicting message. Yeah. No, Darian, you mentioned so many important points there. I mean, Moving is so difficult. You mentioned the physical therapist. You mentioned the psychologist, potentially the doctors, like everything that you need to put in order. Having three days to do so is very difficult. And just not having the respect from the people that supposedly care about you as a human to tell you ahead of time or to talk about you, to talk to you about it. Obviously, these are business decisions. And like, we understand that, but at least like help someone out, you know, having to move is not easy, period. And then having to perform at a high level, the fitness test you aspect, everyone has a different fitness test. Everyone has different film to watch. Like, Oh, like the combinations that you're going to make. Uh, there's so many great points that you make there, Darian. Thank you. Um, all right. We're going to have to go to a quick break because we've been we've been chatting about this for a long time. We're going to be talking about the WSL weekend preview, all of the action that's coming up today, tomorrow and on Sunday. So stay with us here on Attack the Third. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. 
All right, welcome back to Attacking Third. We have the WSL preview for this weekend for you guys. Three big games to talk about. Arsenal up against Everton, 9 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday. Why don't we start there? Obviously, Emily Fox made her debut, but not in the WSL, so she can make it here for them. Arsenal's unbeaten in the last 11 matches against Everton, so that looks to be swaying one way. Darian, do you have any incline on how this one's going to go? Yeah, I think Arsenal are going to take the win. I hope Emily Fox gets her debut in the WSL. I think um, she's going to fit right into this system, right? I don't think there's any question. I think uh, it's a really good move by her and Arsenal. And I like the challenge of her playing up against these forwards against Everton. And we really get to see, you know what? Is she everything that we've all been talking about on six different shows that we all are on? How she's going to fare out and how she's going to adapt her game to go into this new style of play where you have a lot more time on the ball, a lot more space. It's a little bit more cerebral, tactical when you're going up against somebody. And I think it's going to help her game develop. So I'm excited for it. And I think Arsenal stacked. I think they're going to get the win, like I said at the beginning. But it'll be a good match. Sandra, anything on this one that we need to look forward to? I want to see goals. You know, I want to see, I want to see a start from, from Emily Fox, of course. But I, I want to see you know, some, some high octane energy and maybe that, that might not be the case. I'm, I'm hoping with a round of, of FA cup that maybe it helped kick off some of that holiday rust, but I just want to see a good match in, in this one. And, and hopefully Emily Fox gets involved in that attack and helps mm-hmm. manifest some of those goals. Yeah. It's a chance for Arsenal to kind of lessen the gap between them and Chelsea at this point. And that's what they're, plan is from now until the end of the season of course so that's this is their the first step in what could be the right direction for Arsenal and that's how they have to think of this weekend's match Mm -hmm. well you mentioned them right there Lisa Chelsea the Blues currently in first place they're up against fourth place Manchester United 7 30 a.m eastern time on Sunday that's at Stamford Bridge and that will be on Paramount plus uh Chelsea dominate this matchup winning eight of the last nine but both of these teams top top notch teams I mean tied for the most clean sheets Chelsea outscore Man United, but I mean, both teams with the ability to score goals up top. Take me through it, Sandra. I w- look, we're talking about which teams we find ourselves rooting for. I know Chelsea, you know, you and I, Jenny, typically talk about Chelsea and, and are high on them anytime we get a chance to, to chat about their games on the show. And I'm going to say same vibe, but again, similar to Arsenal. I just want to see like a very competitive match, you know, between these two. I think when you look in front of this the rest of the remainder of the season you've got these two teams kind of you know in good positions in, in, in the top of the table and who doesn't love a good you know old-fashioned rivalry kind of kind of match so I think there's going to be a lot of eyeballs you know in terms of the attack you know how is Chelsea going to continue to look moving forward in, in the absence of uh, of Sam Kerr is this going to be a game where we get to see me official kind of build off of, of, of what she was producing in, in that FA Cup round you know Lauren James as well these these are the opportunities these are the moments for these players you know moving moving forward so our, our we're going to see those adjustments in this right. game, you know, to be made by, by Emma Hayes. I think those are the, that's what this game is going to be. Like what are going to be the answers to all of those questions that maybe came out of that FA cup match. So hopefully it's a dub for Chelsea. Yep. I think it's going to be a dub for Chelsea. Also big fish doing big girl oh. things. Yep. I love to see it. I didn't really love Lauren James as the nine. I don't think it suited her well in this system, but I kind of, Sandra, what you were saying, I really want to see that relationship develop between Lauren James and Mia Fischel. Mm-hmm. Injuries suck as part of the game. It's Mia Fischel's time to really 
grasp that opportunity and slide into that position and make it her own. I think learning under a player like Sam Kerr and watching her game, she can probably take elements of that, but she's her own force. I think it's going to be really good. I hope she gets a start in this game. Um, and that we see her kind of building connections more and more because she scored a goal out of nothing. So imagine what she's going to do when she really starts to build chemistry with everyone around her. It'll be a good game. Yeah, Chelsea definitely almost stumbled against West Ham. And that's when you mentioned that Mia official goal. We talked about it on Monday on the show. We did discuss Sam Kerr's injury and the fact that Lauren James looks a little better with Sam Kerr there. But let's go ahead and move on from Chelsea because the last thing I want to say is we might see a Katarina Macario debut from, from Chelsea. So we'll keep our eyes out for that one. Lisa, Manchester City up against Liverpool. Take me through that one. Yeah, Jenny, this is a good matchup. City, right now, they're in second place in the standings after the winter break. They're level on points with Arsenal, um, which means they're only three points behind Chelsea. And and the fact that it's so tight at the top of the table at this point in the standings, now Chelsea without Sam Kerr, the, the eyes of Manchester City have gotten so big. This is their opportunity to chase Chelsea, to, to catch them, and to try to jump into that number one spot. And frankly, I think Manchester City has the power to do that. You look at... Who is in City's attack? They are scary. Lethal. lethal. <laughs> They've got Bunny Shaw, Lauren Hemp, Jill Roard, Chloe Kelly, Mary Fowler. These are incredibly prolific goal scorers. And for City, over their last four matches, all competitions, they've picked up four wins. They've scored 17 goals in those four matches. Are you kidding me? It, so it, it's an opportunity for City to continue to find the back of the net in a variety of ways, whether it's crosses from the outside, shots from distance getting inside the box, creative skill, individual flair down the center of the pitch to find the back of the net. And they've also got a lot of new news coming, right? City announced their brand new facility, 10 million euro purpose-built training facility for their women's team set to open in 2025. So if they can make moves, pick up a win, of course, over Liverpool, who's who's fifth right now, um, then they can continue to climb in the standings, get to the top of the table where not only are player is going to want to go there because of this purpose-built facility. But if you're a top team in the league, which they have been, but if they can win, that's only going to do better for them in the future to continue to acquire really top talent. Yeah. Beautifully said, Lisa. Oh, sorry, Cedric, go for it. No, I was just going to say I, I'm with you on everything. I'm just really curious, like what Liverpool is going to show up yeah. in this game. <laughs> They've been so streaky, you know, and it's just kind of like, is this going to be, could this be a blowout even, you know, or could yeah. this be another one of those like really tight kind of, duke it out kind of battles by yeah. Liverpool. I don't know. I, I, I think they, I, might, they might park the bus. I think it'll yeah. be high scoring though, because if for city, they average over three goals a game. And so yes, Liverpool, you would think their answer is let's park the bus, but I just, there's too many options for Manchester city in the front. Yeah. You talk about Manchester city there, both teams um, unbeaten in the last five, at least, but Manchester city beating Tottenham seven to nil in the last WSL match was back in November. Obviously West Ham playing against Tottenham. That's why I had those stats ready, but like Manchester city with the ability to score goals, especially with bunny Shaw. Okay. Guys, thank you so much for joining Attacking Third. Beautiful. Um, watch the WSL this weekend. Watch Scoreline. I'm going to be on um, and catch us on Monday for more Attacking Third.
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.